You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello, and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. I keep toying with the idea of making these uh, podcasts also videos, and uh, there's a few of my videos, or a few of my podcast episodes that I put the audio on YouTube, but I keep thinking that perhaps I should make these, uh, the weekly podcast a video as well, so let me know what you think. Uh and if I get enough people to do to request it, I will for sure do it. Uh, I should probably do it anyway, but it's really a lot of extra work. So, but if enough people want me to do it, I will. Anyhow, uh, today's episode is a response to a comment that I got on one of my previous blog posts and and podcast episodes. And a person named John, and I share his name because he commented publicly, so since he commented publicly, I don't feel bad about using his name, but anyway, uh, John recently commented on one of my past episodes titled, Why Does God Hate Me?, in which I discuss the common feeling that we have in this broken and falling world that God hates us, and I discuss why we're completely wrong when we think God hates us. In his comments, John said, quote, lies... God rewards child molesters, rapists, dope dealers, and child children abusers, period. God was nowhere to be found for me as a child, and still at 57 not found. But oh yeah, God loves me. No, that's funny. End quote. My first thought was that John was just a heckler and wanted to not let an opportunity pass to criticize Christianity, and I started to delete the comment, but then I got to thinking about it and realized that Perhaps John was hurting and was actually sincere and could not understand why God had not helped him in his life and why it appears as if God blesses the wicked. The comment may or may not have been sincere, and it may or may not have been in an attempt to criticize Christianity, and it could have been both at the same time. But either way, I feel obligated to give an honest, thoughtful, and caring response to the comment anyway. And this episode is an answer to the comment. First off, I'm not sure if John will ever read this blog post or listen to this podcast episode. But I would like him to know that even though he does not agree with me, I'm grateful that he took the time to read the article, and I'm grateful that he took the time to comment. I will never discourage people from commenting even if they don't agree with me. And I always appreciate it when someone takes the time out of their busy schedule to read or listen to uh, read what I've written or to listen to the podcast and then reach out to me. The only time I have ever or will ever delete comments is when they are spam or when they contain profanity or other things which are in poor taste. 
I will also delete comments if they are making an obvious attempt to lead people away from Jesus because the prime directive of this podcast and blog is to lead people to Jesus. There are several items of the comment that require attention and I will discuss each one of them individually and I hope that I can answer them in a way that not only addresses the concern but is also pleasing to God. First off is the claim that what I said in the blog post about God loving us is a lie. And I won't waste a lot of time on that because every word I spoke in that podcast episode and every word that I wrote in that blog post was true. And even for those of us who have not realized it yet, God loves us. Sometimes we don't feel the love of God because we don't accept His love, and it's difficult to love God when we are blaming Him for everything bad that has ever happened to us. As discussed in the post, John commented on, uh, There was a time in my life when I was convinced that God hated me, mostly because I was attributing the poor actions of others and the results of my own poor decisions to God. The second claim is that God rewards the wicked, the child molesters, dope dealers, rapists, murderers, and abusers. And while it can sometimes appear to be the case, I can say unequivocally that it is not true. God is not pleased with anyone's wickedness or vile acts, and he certainly doesn't bless them for performing them. The question then is, If God does not bless the wicked, then why does it appear as if he does? The answer to that question is somewhat complex, and it will take up the bulk of this discussion, and I pray that I will do it justice. I'm not a pastor, and I've never been to Bible college, but I have read the Bible literally hundreds of times, and I read from its pages on a daily basis. And my answer to the question will be based on the truth found in the Bible. And I acknowledge that what the Bible says will not satisfy anyone who hates God and does not believe in the divinity of the Bible. But the, but the Bible is the word of God, and therefore that is where I must turn to answer the question from God's perspective. A lot of the time, when it appears as if the wicked have prospered, it's all a facade and they have not prospered at all, and they are deeply depressed and hate life. And, when a person is abusing others, it should cause them grief and it should lead them to change, uh, lead to a change in action. But it often does not. A good recent example of a person who appears to have prospered in wickedness is the late Jeffrey Epstein, who was a convicted child rapist and was charged with, tra- with the sex trafficking of children. If we were to judge whether or not Epstein prospered because of his uh, because of his wealth, it would appear that he prospered indeed, as $77 million is a lot of money. But when we consider that he died of suicide in prison under suspicious circumstances that makes the investigators question whether or not his death was actually a suicide, then it does not look like he prospered much at all. All crimes will catch up with us, either in this life or the next. And I don't know, uh, and I know that it doesn't seem fair when a person escapes punishment in this life. And of course it's not fair. But because we as humans are flawed, there will always be some who get away with their crimes in this life. But that does not mean that God has blessed them. 
As Jesus said about those of his day in Matthew 6-2, they have received their reward in full in this life, and that when they die, they will not like what's waiting for them. A lot of people who commit atrocities claim to be Christian, which to be Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. However, Jesus said, whoever wants to be not my disciples must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me, Mark 8, 34. Those who indulge in crime, such as Epstein, were obviously not denying themselves, and they were obviously not taking up their cross. And therefore, regardless of what they claim, they were not following Christ and they were not Christian. Sometimes it appears as if the wicked are prospering because God doesn't obviously intervene and prevent the atrocity or punish them for having committed it. But if we're honest, we can't say that God doesn't prevent bad things from happening because the things he prevented never happened and we therefore never knew about them. Some of us have gotten the wrong impression about God and think that when a person sins, they will be struck down by lightning. And if that doesn't happen, then God is, a, is blessing that person or simply doesn't exist. But that's not the case. And there are a lot of things in the world in which God just lets happen as it will happen, such as the weather. Jesus said, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, Matthew 5.45. And we should not assume that because the laws of nature and the weather have the same negative or positive effects on the sinner and the righteous alike, that God is punishing the righteous or blessing the wicked. And it is also of note that with a few rare but notable exceptions, the wicked people in the Bible were not struck down by God in obvious ways, and most of them wound up much as the wicked do today, where some of them get away with their crimes and some die untimely deaths at the hands of their enemies or are in prison for their crimes. The thought that God is blessing the wicked is not a new thought. And throughout the Bible, followers of God have questioned why the wicked were allowed to prosper. Jeremiah prayed, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet you let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal treacherously? Jeremiah 12.1 Job also had the same lament, and he said, why do the wicked live and become old, yes, become mighty in power? Their descendants are established with them in their sight, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bulls breed without failure, their cows calve without miscarriage. They send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They sing to the trim a tambourine, and harp, and rejoice at the sound of the flute, and they spend their days in wealth, and in a moment go down to their grave. Job 21, 7-13 God doesn't want us to be concerned with whether or not another person is prospering, or whether or not another person is being punished by God. David, cautions, uh, David cautions us in the Bible not to worry about the prosperity of the wicked, and he writes, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Do not fret, it only causes harm. And that was in Psalms verses 1, verses 7 through 8. 
Only a few hours after vehemently swearing that he would never deny Jesus, Peter denied him three times, one of which he cursed at a young girl when she suggested that he knew Jesus. Peter not only denied Jesus, but he completely abandoned everything he had devoted the last three years of his life to, and he went back to his old profession as a fisherman. After his death and resurrection, or after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus restored Peter and told him that he would die for his faith. And Peter basically asked, Yeah, Lord, but what about John? And Jesus rebuked him by saying, What is it to you what happens to John? I'll worry about John. All you need to worry about is following me. And that was in John chapter 21. Now, you might wonder why I'm bringing that up. And the reason I bring that up brings and I bring up the story of Peter asking about John is that even after all the time Peter had spent with Jesus and even after witnessing firsthand how good Jesus was, he was still worried about not being treated fairly and thought that if he was to die for the gospel, that John should have to die for the gospel as well. John, by the way, though he faced an extremely difficult life because of his faith, was the only apostle who was not martyred. Just because we think God is not fair does not mean that he isn't fair. And we are not to worry about our we are to worry about ourselves and we're not to worry whether we're supposed to worry about ourselves and whether or not we're following God. And we shouldn't be worrying about whether or not another person is getting more or less from God than we are. In Psalms 37, David shows the end of the wicked, and he says, Evildoers shall soon be, shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. For evildoers shall be cut off. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look diligently for his place, but it shall be no more. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke, and they shall vanish away. The descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. But the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. And that was Psalms 37, verses 2, 2 uh, 9 through 10, 13, 20, 28, 35, 36, and 38. We tend to spend a lot of time worrying about whether or not those who are more wicked than we are, or at least more wicked than we, um, according to our perception, more wicked than we are, are blessed. But in the end, it doesn't matter. Our neighbor's fortunes are completely out of our hands. God will deal with them when it is appropriate, and only he knows when that time will come. What is under our control is how we respond to it, and far more importantly, how we handle what God has given us. Rather than gaze enviously at our neighbor's wealth, we should strive to reach the Apostle Paul's example, where he said, I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. And that was Philippians 4.1. Uh, in the later portion 
of his comment John's, uh, to my blog, John said, God was nowhere to be found for me as a child, and still at 57, not found. But oh yeah, God loves me. No, that's funny. I can't speak for John, and since he did not give his last name, I don't know if he's one of the several men I know named John who identify as an atheist. So I can't determine whether or not he actually ever really looked for God or just always wrote God off as a villain or as a fantasy. But I can say generally that the reason most people who have not found God have not found him is because they have never really looked for him and they have never really given God the chance. For those of you who have determined that God doesn't care for you or that he doesn't exist, when was the last time that you humbled yourself before God and actually asked for his help? I would wager that it has been quite some time, if it has happened at all. When I was angry with God and thought that he hated me, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to humble myself before him and to admit that I could not do it without his help. Yes, God loves us, but he will never force us to accept him. And when we do come to God, we must do so on His terms and not our own. And coming to God on His terms is not often desirable when we are living according to, uh, to our own will. Because living according to His will always requires us to change something about ourselves and become more like Him. If we don't want God more than we want our current life, then God will not force Himself upon us. And when that happens, we can't blame him for not coming where he is not wanted. Growing up, I was always told the story of a family friend who had a flat on a country road. And he didn't have a jack in the car, so he walked to the nearest farmhouse to ask, for, ask to borrow a jack. This man had an inferiority complex, and he was so negative in every aspect of his life that he assumed the people would not loan him the jack. And the whole way to the farm, he was, he was talking to himself, and he told himself how rude the people were going to be with him when he asked for the jack, and he told himself that they would never loan it to him. So when he finally stopped on the porch and knocked on the door, he was steaming angry. When the farmer opened the door, the man said, I just wanted to tell you that I didn't want to borrow your darn jack anyway. And he turned away and stormed off. I'm convinced that the farmer was quite confused as to what had just occurred. A lot of us have that type of attitude toward God, and we have already decided that he won't help us. So instead of asking for his help and expecting to get it, we tell everyone that God hates us because he didn't help us when we not only did not ask, was not, but also was not willing to accept the help if he did offer it. John could have only commented in an attempt to argue or to convince me that I'm wrong about God. But I'm going to go on the assumption that he was hurting and did not understand why God allowed bad things to happen to him. And I spoke in great detail about that subject in an earlier post called, If God is Good, Why, are there so, why Is There So Much Pain and Suffering? And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I would recommend listening to the podcast or to reading that blog. If a person is willing to put aside his or her pride and truly seek God, they will find him. But it is nearly impossible to find something when we go out of our way not to find it. 
Not always, but the majority of my discussions with people who do not believe in God, they are not willing to they are not listening to learn, but rather they are listening to respond. And instead of making any attempt to discover the truth in what I said, their only goal is to pick apart everything I said and thus confirm their bias that he or she already had, which is that there is no God. And when I was an atheist, I acted much the same. However, even though I've refused to admit it, I often found the arguments for Christ compelling, and there had been times in my life when I had to do some mental gymnastics to preclude God from having had a hand in helping me. Yes, God loves each and every one of us, even those of us who, does, who doesn't love God. But he will not force us to love or accept him, and when we refuse to accept God, we are also refusing to accept help from him, and we are refusing the offer of salvation that he offers, paid for by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And as it says in John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. Thanks for listening, and I hope that this answers uh, questions you may have. And I hope John is listening, and that John really was listen, uh, looking for an answer. And uh, I hope that if he really was listening for an answer, that or even if he wasn't really looking for an answer, I really hope and pray that John will uh, listen to this and that uh, and that he will diligently seek God so that he may actually find him. Uh, thanks for listening, and God bless you, and I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.